Hey guys, it's Drew. And we're back after taking a little break. And in this episode, I'm talking to longtime friend Julieta Yanez. We're talking about what it is to be Latino and growing up in the Valley, what we actually learned in high school, and living through COVID. This is Being Brown in LA. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. This is Drew, and this is, again, Being Brown in L.A. My guest this week is Julieta Yanez. Uh, Julieta, tell us, what do you do and who you are? Hey, y'all. So I am a parent coordinator at a charter school in South L.A., and uh, I work with the families in our communities. So really proud of the work that I do and, you know, excited to talk about it today. With you. Where is South? Where in South LA are you at? Well, Watts. I mean, you know, I, I know that's a sort of a, a, a smaller, big sort of parameter, if you will. But you know, off of you were before you were in Highland Park, Lincoln Heights. Lincoln Heights. So and my then school you before. ended up in Watts. Where right. in Watts? So off of um, Avalon and Manchester. Oh, hmm? okay. So you're <laughs> deep in there. Yeah. Um, I actually used to teach for the city of LA, the Cultural First Department, they had a gallery at the Watts Towers. Oh, I remember. And I used to teach uh, art to kids for the visiting mm-hmm. schools program, and I also did like a class where it was like functional art, where we find things around the neighborhood and then we would make it into art, um, which is kind of funny. Watts is kind of like a weird place. I feel like it's the, it's still South Central. Mm-hmm. What, like before, South Central used to be real, like, dangerous, and I, I don't think South Central is anymore. I feel like, I mean, you know, of course there's crime and what have you, but I don't feel that it is what people think in their mind when they hear South Central. I think South Central is not. I think Watts is. Right. I feel like, you know, going back to, and as recent as maybe like a year and a half, going back to, you know, you know, the Grape Street area and the projects and how still some places are still rough and having to go visit people at the Watts Towers and then telling me, you know, things are still from time to time. Yeah. I remember being at Watts Towers and the lady who was in charge of the restoration of Watts, mm-hmm. of the towers, was attacked for oh her purse. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and so they, they brutally attacked her. And uh, That was just like a, a really upsetting thing because here is a Latina lady coming into the neighborhood trying to restore this thing that, you know, everybody in the city wants to get rid of. Yeah. But the people in the community love. And she was attacked for her purse and it was just like a brutal attack. She had to get, you know, reconstructive surgery and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, not to scare everybody about Watts. There's a lot no. of beautiful places in Watts. There's a lot of beautiful people that are doing community organizations that are helping Watts. Um, but I feel like it's still one of those places where they, it's unrepresented and there's not enough resources for them to be helped out to get the city, you know, a little back in. I don't know. It's de- wrong. No, no. <laughs> well, it's definitely tricky, and there's definitely some beautiful parts of of that neighborhood and and Watts and and everywhere where I lit where I work. Um, but it's definitely a, a changing um, demographic, and I can't speak too harsh too strongly on it because I didn't live there before. I don't live there now. I didn't grow up there. But just from what I hear from like our families and people who work there, I feel that the demographic of the neighborhood is also changing. I think that, you know, in the early years of the school where I work now, it was, um, 
you know, heavily populated by, you know, African-American people. That was the, 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 the population when our school started like 20 years ago. And now our population, you know, depending on what campus we're talking about, we're talking about 50-50 uh, Latino and African-American, or we're talking about 85% Latino and 15% African-American. So is Watts going the way of Compton, where Compton is basically becoming a Mexican neighborhood? You know what, I, I can't speak too much on that because I don't really know the neighborhood in that way, but I, I'm, I'm conscious of that shift because I hear that from yeah. our families and from people I work with that, you know, what's the shift that's happening? Yeah. How can we, you know, attain, making sure that we're providing for the African-American youth that live in that community, right? For that sure. is, has, was such a robust number prior to now um but in really looking at it you know the school we work at it's not so much let's go cherry pick kids that we want here yeah. like the demographic is changing at the school because the demographic in the neighborhood is changing nothing yeah. that we're doing very specifically it's happening organically and so it's interesting to know and what that means entirely get this out of the seat i don't know saying right yeah. but it's something to know and i think that that's something to um also make sure that resources are getting to everybody in the neighborhood you know our african-american community but also the latino community that's growing there as well right you know yeah. oftentimes in the work that i do we provide um information about events or resources in the neighborhood you know food distributions or food banks or just events and the flyers are all in english and i'm like hey can i get a spanish flyer they're like oh well we didn't do that and i was like okay well then i have to just sort of get all mickey mouse with it and do copy paste and put some spanish language on it um don't get me wrong i mean they definitely do make you know spanish flyers for our latino community there but that's i think a testament to you know some of the core um core leaders in the community um are still figuring out how to evolve their marketing definitely. to that population yeah, that's increasing I, mean, I feel like it's people that work for the city councilman or you know, people that represent that area. Mm -hmm. I think to them, it's still a black neighborhood, but with the change and with how many um, Latino population are moving into the inner cities because it's the place that they can afford, mm -hmm. they're sort of, re like, I don't know, we call it retro gentrifying, but they're also like sort of gentrifying in a way, which is a predominantly black, you know, Watts was a predominantly black community. Uh, they have their own, you know, uh, there's an active center there that has a museum and everything and um, you know the Watts Towers which is really pro uh, black art um, I feel like a lot of times they don't understand how much Latino community has surrounded Watts and is sort of intersecting itself in it because you know a few miles after that when you get into like Normandy and you get into that and Manchester you now start getting into another part of South Central that is now being populated by a lot of Latinos because there's homes there that are you know nice homes actually mm -hmm. uh it is a you know a neighborhood and it's considered a bad neighborhood but it's it's not so much anymore with the advent of like stores coming in you know ralph's and other food places it's, it used to be that south central was a food desert yeah and you would have to drive either huntington park to go get food or drive all the way to inglewood to go get stuff and now it's sort of in the neighborhood where you can shop and you can get stuff um 
little markets like i remember little markets were where you would get your vegetables yeah it's it's interesting you bring that up because literally i think just yesterday or the day before i saw something posted about uh, a new bank opening up in the neighborhood right I, i forget what the bank was called but that that was the first financial institution opened up in the neighborhood since like 97 oh wow and i'm like why like why is it taking so long to bring that to this community they, they all got money they all they all have need you know financial support in that way and so when you're talking about you know speaking on the idea of the food desert and you know those resources available that was just mind-boggling to me that it had been the first time in so many years i mean maybe not 97 but i'm pretty sure it was 97 but the first bank that's opened up in the neighborhood it's like why is that why why isn't that community getting that that no for sure yeah you're right i mean uh in south central there's fewer banks Mm -hmm. and i don't think people know that um you know here in la uh or in different parts of la and specifically like the west side or, or downtown la you could see a bank a couple of blocks away you can go from a different kind of bank to another another bank um, there's ATMs in different places. In South Central, um, the only time that you see like a bank or where you would get money would be your liquor ATM or your cashback ATMs, which would cost money for you to get your own money. Right. Um, and banks, you would have to drive further away, you know, so maybe all the way to Manchester, maybe all the way to Century, maybe all the way to like, you know, La Brea. And in Watts, it's not like you can really just get on a bus and be like, oh, I'm going to go to the bank all the way over here. And banks sometimes would live in malls that have gates. So at a certain time at night, they would lock those up. And so how would people go to the bank if it was locked up? So it was kind of a thing where when I used to work at Watts where I was like, it's almost like these people are being set up to live around gates. Everything was like, it's closed. You can't come in here. This is here. You can't, the bank, you don't have access to this time because of the neighborhood. And the funny thing is that they, they put a whole rail system through Watts. In order for you to get from downtown to oh. Long Beach, you still have to go through Watts. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, you, you have access to it, but it's always, and, it, and even the way that the, you know, and I'm not trying to judge how they, you know, the city planners came up with this, but even the way that the train passes through Watts, you have to go up all these stairs to go up to the platform. Wow. And sometimes there's certain, you know, there's certain, um, I guess, trains that pass at a certain time where they don't even stop at Watts. They just go right through. Wow. And I remember being working at the Watts Towers because the, literally the you could see the train pass like from the grounds of the Watts Towers. And the, sometimes the train would just go. Phew. There would be nobody waiting. Nobody was getting off to come to, to Watts. The times where you would see a lot of people getting off and on was in the mornings or like sometime around five or six when people were getting home from work. Right. That were, you know, that were able enough to take the, the metro. Um, but it, it's it's a... It's sort of like a like a place where like I felt like I never saw enough resources being brought to it. You know, I lived in South Central and and we had markets that we can go to. We had one bank maybe on, you know, MLK and like Western or something like that. And there's other things and the banks weren't shut down. They weren't behind a gate. Mm. You can go to an ATM and actually get that. But in Watts, I remember if I was done at work at nine, I would just go home because there was nothing. Yeah, it was a. It, it's either fast food or liquor stores. Oh, yeah. They're everywhere. And they're it's everywhere. Horrible. You know, and so it's almost like you're setting up this community to just be like, 
You can go and get fast food, nothing healthy, or you can just get drunk, or you can get cigarettes, or, or you, can, get you in can go at the weed shop that there's like three on each block, and it's just baffling. And that like, to me just... is amazing because in other neighborhoods you can't have a weed shop; mm -hmm. they won't let you have a weed shop. And people that actually, you know, like, oh, I want some CBD stuff because my back or whatever, they can't even get it because they have to go, you know, a certain further away miles. Where in the in South Central. You'll, you'll get them there's everywhere. multiple and, yeah. and there's there's literally like i want to say two like a block or two away from our school and it's just like isn't there rules around that yeah. like <laughs> there are laws and, and nothing against the weed no nothing against them for sure but having having a child come out of a school and look at these things mm -hmm. as a reminder like there's a liquor store there's fast food and there's a weed shop mm -hmm. These are the things that they're looking at. You know, and and it's a pattern. They're looking, they're walking three or four blocks home and they say, weed shop, fast food, liquor. Weed shop, fast food, liquor. Weed shop, fast food, liquor. Yeah. Like once you follow a pattern enough times, you're like, oh, that's what I need to do. Yeah, I just need to it's get, just... I need to get a, a cheeseburger or, you know, I need to get some, you know, black and mild. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, especially because if, if you're trying to be one of these Cool kids and I know how it is to be in high school you get caught up in stuff and you know some kids are good and they have you know a good family where you know even the ones that have a bad family know better than that but I think it's just like if you give people this access these this images constantly in their mind gated you know businesses you know closed banks liquor stores open all night fast food open all night eat shops Weed shops that even sometimes, and I passed by a weed shop in South Central, and it had a sign that said, we cash your checks. Oh, wow. And we accept, um, what's that, EDD or uh, EBD or something like that? The EBT card? Yes, uh -huh. we accept EBT cards. And so to me, I was like, you're, you're basically just saying to these people, look, man, you can just bring your check here. Yeah. And it's kind of like you're setting them up for failure in some ways. And... People have self-control, you know, and the black community is not immune to these biases. Neither is the Mexican community. We have, we're generations of biases, you know? And so we, we have to figure out a way to eliminate those things. If kids keep seeing libraries and keeps kids seeing parks and sports and whatever, eventually they're gonna be like, I gotta go either read a book or rent a movie or go <laughs> do some sports. But if they keep seeing liquor stores after a while, they're like, you know, those Cheetos look good. And if you look at the advertising for alcohol now, it's so colorful. Yeah. The advertising oh, yeah. for vaping is so colorful. Yeah. It, it, it's all targeted at, at the kids. That's that's all that that is. And it's just, it's so important that the people in charge and, and not only the people in charge, but, you know, the adults in the room and the adults not in the room remember that, you know, modeling is a real thing. And I think that's one of the the things that I've sort of acknowledged the longer I've worked at a school is that when the kids look to you, they look they, and they don't even realize they're looking towards you, but they're mimicking what you do or how you act or how you behave or what you say, whether they're conscious of it or not, or maybe they are conscious of it. And they're like, Oh, I want to be like, you know, Mr. Andrew, like they're watching you so modeling these things is so critical and so when the neighborhood is modeling these practices these oh yeah do these three stops or do these things and that's all that they see yeah it's it's tough and then when they get their friends or their family and the, does it too then that's the norm and it's not it's not just south la right like it's not just that but you know 
seeing it. But like if we if you look at other places like Boyle Heights, East LA, Huntland Park, Cudahy, Southgate, you know those places don't have. They're also equally not given a lot of resources and sometimes ignored. But they have businesses. There's a lot of Latino markets that open up everywhere. Like mom and pop places are abundant. You can get vegetables at a, at a little market that would be considered like a liquor store. Mm-hmm. Where in, in certain black neighborhoods, it was so rough to get vegetables. You know, and then when Fresh and Easy, remember that brand that came yeah. out? It was Fresh and Easy. We're starting all these markets in different communities. When they came out, people were like, oh, fi- finally, the inner cities or people that have low income will be able to afford fresh vegetables or like meat that's not real fatty you know mm-hmm. and and you know you know i remember somebody was saying they were doing a report on, on NP, npr and they were saying oh like uh, you know some people like it's the first time they ever ate like you know certain vegetables that they had never seen before mm-hmm. you know like you know, i don't know like brussels sprouts and stuff not that everybody's like yay brussels sprouts they're so good i love brussels sprouts <laughs> but chop them up with some bacon no? well i think that's, <laughs> I, I think that's like it's a new foodie thing that brussels sprouts <laughs> have become the thing but I guess. before everybody was like guess so it's, it's like a little <laughs> mini cabbage that stinks um but you know now you get you go to these you know mm. gastro pubs and yeah. it's brussels sprouts with honey and walnuts and bacon so you know mm. all fancy and shit. i'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> um but let's go back to the school how stressful is the schools right now? Wow. So that's a really loaded question, man. So just independent of independent of working at a school pre-pandemic, right? Yeah. The idea of working at a school and affecting the way that you do to so, kids and families. Yeah. There's so much there's so much um there's so much weight on that, right? The responsibility you have. And then now with the pandemic, it's just this crazy next level of how can I support my families? How can I support the kids while you're still doing that for yourself, for your family and concerned about the coworkers and the people you work with as well, making sure that things are safe. The idea of, you know, going back to whatever this new version of school on campus is, um, is is can, frightening. Can we go back to some kind of normality? I mean, I feel like even if the tomorrow there's a cure for <laughs> it's COVID. not going to be normal. No, I, I don't see that happening in any foreseeable future because the fear and the anxiety yeah. is still going to remain. There's so many things that we don't know, and and whatever it's going to look like and. And I think it's important to say, and, and, and it's, you know, I'm not a teacher, you know, I, I work in the office, I work with our families, but, you know, you hear this talk about, you know, our kids need to go back to school, our kids need to yeah. go back to school, they're not learning, I get it, yeah. that their learning is different, yeah. and it's not what it once was, yeah. but our kids are actually still in school, yeah. and they are still learning, mm-hmm. and our teachers are still working, and yeah. everybody is still working, it just, in a different environment, yeah. And it looks really different and we don't have the things we don't have all the things that we used to have or teachers don't have all the things they used to have and they need more resources that they didn't even know they needed before yeah, aside from they didn't have the resources to all the resources they needed to begin with yeah. right being pre-pandemic and so now we're gonna throw this curveball and then you have even less resources Definitely. with all these fears. And I feel so. like there's something to say about, like, there's certain parents that are really proactive and they're trying their best. 
and then other parents that are worried that their kids are not getting enough education. But there's also a group of parents, and, and you know, and people can say whatever they want about this, but they just want their kids to go to school so they don't have to deal with that. And it's a lot of responsibility for them to deal with. And it's kind of like, this is why you need to pay teachers more, and this is why schools have to have more budget because. Uh, it's the heroes, of course, of the teachers, but it's not only the teachers that make this happen. You know, there's the administration that makes this happen, whether, you know, teachers love or hate their administration. But there's people like in their staff, like the cafeteria workers, like, you know, like the gardeners, like the, the custodians that have to clean everything now. Yeah. And now the custodians are going to be in, in hyper mode. You know, everything has to be clean. And before, you know, they did their job. Now they have to do extra because, you know, kids are scared and parents are scared and everybody's terrified. I mean... You know, we we went from the culture, and it's funny that memes are now becoming our like our poetry of the street <laughs> or a poetry of the internet, which is like, <laughs> when did a uh, you know when did a sneeze go from bless you to fuck you? <laughs> that's something that I want to remind me because you know you hear somebody sneezing in 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 the supermarket, and people are like, where the fuck is that person, and how fast can I get that away from them? Uh, yeah, it's it's. Our anxiety of what's happening is in this weird, it's this weird state. And yes, this anxiety of you hear that sneeze and you're like, I'm going to go in the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> or why are you here? Why are you sneezing? And yeah. why did you go out of the house? Yeah. Yeah. Like the other day, uh, so whatever, not related, but just sort of, this is my truth, right? So I was car shopping the other day because I, my car got totaled. And so I was at the dealer and the guy I'm working with is coughing. And I'm like, no. do you need, like, are you okay? Like, I was just really like, I haven't been going yeah. out. I'm trying to be safe. And he's like, oh no, it's just that I had COVID a few months ago and this is like leftover. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, thank you for sharing that. And I yeah. probably shouldn't have asked because that was really intrusive, but that was my anxiety. And I'm like, do you, are you okay? I, I don't think it's bad that that we're asking nowadays if someone's okay i think that it's sort of now the new norm i mean you know we went from uh you know a time where people would be like oh what's your instagram or do you you know and before that you know can i have your business card to <laughs> now are like are you okay do you, did you get tested or you, you know i feel like that's the new sort of are you i'm, I'm cool to talk to you if you got tested in the recent weeks or mm -hmm. if you've been negative and i like to post mine up on my IG stories so people don't ask me fucking questions. <laughs> so it's like, no soy sucio, pero you know, now you know that I'm, well, I didn't say I wasn't all sucio, but I'm just saying. Um, but I, I feel like that's the new norm now. Like, we have to be able to say, hey, you know, like, I don't have COVID and we can have a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and our bubbles are, you know, before it was like, oh, create a bubble and then you can talk. And I was like, I don't need to talk to anybody. <laughs> But now I feel like, yeah, bubbles are important because you, you, you don't want to go crazy not having interaction with other people. And so I feel like my bubble is very small, but um, it's people that I know that are maybe paranoid like me. Like we'll wash our hands a lot and yeah. we'll clean stuff. And they, you know, like I clean vegetables when we get them. I clean the groceries when we get them. I wipe everything down. I watched this video that my friend sent me, mm -hmm. uh, Doc G, you know, mm -hmm. you know him. Um, he said to me it was about how to wipe your stuff when you, <laughs> when you go to the market. And so now it's like a religion. Yeah. And so I think that that's become our new norm. How would it be to be like a kid going back to school in this time? Like, that, that's just insane. And wouldn't they be also stressed out? 
absolutely. I'm stressed out and I'm a 40-year-old adult, you know, like who, you know, speaks my boundaries and keeps my distance and wears my masks and walks around with the sanitizer and gives a side eye to my friend who I just saw post a story, you know, drinking with their friends. But, you know, at the same time, you know, life goes on and we have to figure out how to work around yeah. it. So if that's my anxiety level, I just, my heart breaks to think about the kids, kids you know, yeah. and, and the re- reality of, okay, let's just say, you know, we need to start, you know, being back on campus for whatever ver- am- amount of hybrid time. If the kids aren't, you know, freaking out the way that I feel I am sometimes, then they're going to be laissez-faire about it. And they're yeah. going to be like, oh, well, it's safe to be back. I mean, I, you know, not to be like the, the old guy in the, in the lawn, like get off my lawn, but I see the teenagers in, in my neighborhood and they're just like, cool. They're just, they go to the market and they're like, they're talking, their masks are like hanging out from their nose. You know, and I saw another meme that kind of reminded me of that. It's like, if your nose is hanging off your mask, it's like your pee pee hanging off your pants <laughs> like your, your you know your underwear it's mm-hmm. like just doesn't look you look like a dumbass yeah but i also feel like a lot of the 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 middle teenage kids are kind of just over it and they're like ah and like we're like in the other sense i also watch these little kids in my neighborhood walk around with their little mask and mm-hmm. i thought oh that's so really cute but it's like but that's their reality now mm-hmm. these little kids that are growing up will one day tell their kids oh i remember when we used to have to wear a mask all the time yeah yeah you know my girlfriend she was so she lives so she she lives with her mom and she has a four-year-old kid and you know when they're so they they live they they have sort of separate spaces and so this little four-year-old knows the rule when it's i'm gonna hang out with grandma which she lives with by the way right but if she's in the house or in the room with her, this little four-year-old is, like, engraved. Oh, no, I got to put my mask on. Oh, I can't play with Grandma. I can't go into Grandma's room. This little four-year-old. And it just blows my mind that that is her truth right now. That's her reality. And just sort of how magnified that is when you sort of, span, like, zoom out and, and really see that that's the truth of, like, all our babies right shout out to that little girl that's like right? i care about she's, my grandma she's amazing i mean you got adult people that are crying and screaming at my <laughs> supermarkets because they can't wear i can't wear a mask yeah. i have a condition the condition is i'm a fucking idiot yes <laughs> yes you do have a condition uh you know but it's like I, I see people complaining about masks when you got this little girl who's like in her mind knowing mm. that grandma is to be taken care of and that she is also at risk so I'm gonna. I love my grandma so much that I'm gonna wear a mask. Imagine that. Like, you know, yeah. all I had to remember about grandma was that, you know, she smelled kind of nice and she had candy sometimes, <laughs> and then she would let me do stupid shit like pee on people's tires. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's what I. That's my grandma to me. Like, yeah. I loved her to death, and that, yeah. I didn't, I never had to worry about like, am I gonna possibly kill my grandma? Because that's the reality. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's why. That's why I. You know. I don't. I don't visit my siblings, you know, my, my, um, my family, my brother and my mom, my mother lives with my, my brother and his family and, um, my sister-in-law's grandfather lives with them. And so he's like 95 or 96. And so, I mean, in my mind, right? In my mind, well, I don't want to, you know, inadvertently take anything to 
you know, my mom, grandpa, my brother, my sister-in-law, my niece, my nephew. For brown people, that's rough not to be able to see your family. Oh, yeah. What do you identify yourself as? I'm Latina. I call myself Latina. I'm Mexican. I was born here. My family's from Mexico. And so people ask me, I consider myself Latina. So for for our people, Mm -hmm. we visiting grandma, visiting mom, visiting... Uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, that's super important. Like, we have to have some kind of contact with our relatives, and when we can't see them, it kind of just, it's unnerving, because then we have to hang out with, like, our roommates or people yeah. that, like, our neighbor that's like, hey, we should hang out, and you're like, oh, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> but, like, you know. I mean, definitely. I mean, being able to convive with your family and, well, you know, my, my family sort of structure has been, it's been interesting, and, and you know some of it, so... You know, I don't really have a lot of extended family here, but my my core family has always been really critical to me. And 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 in recent years, distance has been an issue for other reasons, not yeah. COVID related. But now, pre-COVID, you know, the idea of being closer to my family was real. And I don't know if it was just because certain things changed or if it was because i'm older and i wanted to be closer but i think there's a little bit of difference i mean i like you sort of had a little bit of distance and then kind of got together but now that i I wanted to get together with my brothers and it's harder because one of my brothers is immune compromised yeah and so i don't want to put him at risk i don't feel like like they would be at risk because my brother you know he's um He's mainly a homebody, mm-hmm. and my other brother is, you know, he also just doesn't like to go out too much. So I don't, I trust that they're okay. I don't want to be the one bringing it, that. That would la mugre, you know, like, like that would tear me apart if I would be guys, the one. I brought you some cake and yeah. COVID. Yeah, that would just Surprise, eat me up. It would you know? be horrible. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I think like I, I get to see one good friend, which is Doc G, and he's like family to me, and I get to see my cousin. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she's closest thing to a sister that I have. So then I have some kind of, like, connection. Yeah. Uh, thank God that I have, we have neighbors that are really cool and they have a nice chill dog and we get to kind of hang out. And that, that's kind of like a acquaintance that's really nice to have. And then we have friends that are up the hill. Uh, and that's our, you know. And then we have our roommate, Jody, that mm-hmm. I know you know. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's cool to have just that little circle. Yeah. but they're not my family so it's kind of harder sometimes to connect where my cousin's sort of my gateway to the rest of the family yeah i won't go visit my uncle either because my uncle's i mean compromised too and i don't want to bring him shit so it's like it's that kind of stuff where you're just like i love my family but i don't think that it's that necessary that i go and for brown people it's kind of rough because we're always trying to like you know sometimes you on sunday you just want to go eat somebody's shit (laughs) you know so um and so let's now that we're talking about family, and you could hear it in, in Julieta's accent, uh, she's a valley girl. <laughs> I mean, is it that obvious? It, Man. It, you're a valley girl. And so I feel like the valley comes out sometimes when you talk about, you know. Stuff. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Like, you know, it, it just there, there's a twang. I don't know if people. And so if you're not from L.A., it's sort of an important thing to uh uh, understand that there's a difference between, you know, LA County's huge. Yeah. And I consider it all the way from the valley to, you know, 
San Bernardino, Monterey, whatever. Yeah. And then all the way to the ocean and all the way to the mountains, even Lancaster. Um, and that's LA Lancaster County. Lancaster is the LA County? Okay. I think it's LA County. So. <laughs> I used to um, live out there and it did not feel like LA County. I lived out there and it was really crazy. Like it would like snow while we were getting ready to come to school. And then we'd, like, like, it's like weird because I've heard that there, you know, people are like, uh, you know, there's meth heads here and then it's <laughs> desert, but then it's snowing, but then it's like trucks, but then it's, it's so it's like, uh, it's kind of a weird, there, there's also like racing tracks down there. And so, I don't know. <laughs> Lancaster's kind of like, the, every time I think about Lancaster, for some reason, it's, you know what goes in my mind? Like uh, that Mad Max movie, the new one <laughs> with uh, Charlize Theron. I was about to say that the beautiful, beautiful creature, Charlize. Yes. Yeah. With the one arm. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's a thing where like when someone's from the valley and and you know back in the 80s and 90s a lot of kids from la were being bused to the valley to go to school to get a better education supposedly but then i think also they still kind of messed around and did bad things like the kids in la but i think it was a way for the la city schools to not be so populated Mm -hmm. and you know the valley schools were kind of empty it out a little bit so like taff reseda yeah, so I went to Taft High School, and I went to uh, Patrick Henry Middle School and Sepulveda Middle School. It was this weird thing where back when junior high was just two years, yeah. or maybe I just did it for two years. So I literally had junior high in two different schools. Maybe like, you got kicked out and you don't remember. You know what? You need to calm down with that bullshit. Um, <laughs> and then I went to Tulsa in Granada Hills, Tulsa Elementary School. I was a Tulsa Tigerette. Uh, okay because <laughs> i remember i was when i was going to la high that there was kids that would live in koreatown which was not that far from la high mm-hmm. who were getting bus to receive a high and the other one what was the other one that was up um there? there's a monroe and there's van nuys high school and there's i don't know Canoga High School, Granada High School. Granada. It was Mm -hmm. Granada High. So it was like, I had a group of friends who we all sort of grew up in the same area, Mm -hmm. who some would go to Granada and some would go to Reseda. Mm -hmm. And then the Reseda guys were like a one click and the Granada guys were another click. But then we all would come together for like, you know, kid kid stuff like that we would do, like events and stuff. Um, But it was really weird. It was like, you know, these kids were from, were from, you know, K-Town or they were from the hood. And then they would have to get up really early to go to the to get on this bus and catch the bus. And if they didn't catch the bus, like if they missed the bus, they were just hanging out in LA. That's crazy. So from time to time, my friends, so I had certain friends who were like, "Yo, I'm, I didn't make the bus. I missed so, the bus. So let's go, let's go hang out." At, at oh shit! Is that is that uh, where that crisscross song came from? I missed the bus. Uh, maybe, maybe that's really. You oh my know, God, why did I just think about crisscross? They didn't get busted out because I just found out one of them passed away. So Aww, I didn't even know. That. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I, I used to like, love crisscross when I was in. Oh, that junior high yeah i was that girl so i was like editor of my yearbook and i was obsessed with crisscross and so i convinced everybody that we needed our mascot to be the tasmanian devil because that was my favorite character at that uh-huh. time yeah. and so whatever somehow we knew somebody who did knew you, an artist did from, you make him yeah put his who's dress backwards? backwards yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, this, and, that, and that was a time that's the valley in that me. was a time where like i don't know if you remember like that was a time in the 90s where people were wearing 
characters from Warner Brothers a lot. Yes. Like Bugs Bunny stuff. I think also like Space Jam came thing. out. Too. Yes. So people were wearing like Tasmanian Devil. You laughed at Daffy me, but Duck. that shit was the bomb. I remember I had like a, a Marvin the Martian um, <laughs> uh, rubber thing that I put into a necklace. Uh-huh. And people were like, that's dope. Where'd you get it? I was like, I just made it, fool. <laughs> that's when the, that back then they were also having the little girls, the, the girls would wear the, like their Tweety, their little Tweety uh, that's bird. That's right. That's right. I mean, I wasn't that girl. I wanted to rock yeah. my Tasmanian Devil shit there you go. yeah 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 that was that girl. and then like that's also when the rave started coming up so then people just started wearing those all over the place <laughs> yeah i remember that i was like it oh is a little God. unnecessary to wear like to be pimping warner brothers shit for them for free uh but, but it, it was the cartoons that we grew up with so i think it was funny it made sense that. it made yeah. sense that was us. that was a really <laughs> weird sort of like part of growing up that some people went and got bus somewhere and some people stayed in the city mm-hmm. i mean in LA County, there was a lot of different schools that were considered great high schools, and then there was a large number of them that were considered probably some of the worst in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to three all before I was in the 11th grade. So you got kicked out. So you were so the fucking I, troublemaker. I got, accept, I, got, I got accepted to go. How are we friends? <laughs> I got accepted to go to the music academy at Hamilton High. Wow. And uh, and then I decided that I wanted to leave because I wanted to hang out with my friends uh-huh. and the riffraff that were at LA High. Riffraff is so fun. Yeah, I, mean, I was like, why, why don't I do that? And plus, it was it was taking too long to get to school. <laughs> You're like, I want to sleep. It was more? on the west side. Yeah, so you I was like, it's in, in the west side, and I don't want to, you know. And and I wasn't living in LA. I was living in South Central. Mm-hmm. So it took me even longer to get to the west side. And. Um, I went back to LA High. Well, I went to LA High for the first time. And then um, these gangsters from a certain gang I'm not going to name jumped the fence and started to jump one of my friends. <sighs> and we were, I think we were in RLCT or something, and mm-hmm. we had flagpoles. So we came out with the flagpole <laughs> and we whacked these fools in oh the head. God. You were an explorer, and right? We got, yeah. <laughs> that was afterwards, yeah. And we got in trouble. Because we used a weapon to hit these guys. The, the guys got arrested. So you got in trouble. The guys got arrested for, for trespassing, but we got in trouble for wow. defending our friend. And because I think the problem was that we used a, a it's weapon. It's aggravated assault. Yes. So I got kicked by out. By children. Of, I got kicked out of the school. And I got sent to manual arts. Oh, that just, yeah, that sounds rough. And manual arts was if la high was pretty bad and unfun and you know like underfunded and it was just rough there was gangs and mm-hmm. there was all this stuff manual arts was like to the 10th degree at that time <laughs> there gosh. was like gates everywhere there was you know like the windows none of the windows would open just to air it was just gates 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 it was like a jail and the first week i was there i was in the bathroom and some guy said something to me while i was peeing i was like yo man i'm peeing i don't want to fucking talk to you <laughs> and like i'm from this gang and i was like i don't care i'm ha- my, you know my you know, I got my stuff in my hand. Like, what? Do you really want to talk to me right now? <laughs> and then it got into, like, a really altercation. And then I got kicked out of that school. That's how bad it was. I got kicked out of manual arts. But did you put it away before shit went down? Well, yeah. <laughs> but but to, to add insult to injury, I, I didn't wash my hands. I just hit him. <laughs> That's what he gets. So, he, he fucked uh, yeah. around with you. Because I'm like, yo, man. Oh, you're fucking pissy. Yeah, you're messing with me while I'm peeing? Like, you really wow. want to talk to him? I, I don't want to talk to anybody who just went to the bathroom. <laughs> Why would I want to talk to somebody who's at the bathroom peeing? Uh, so and there's the, strike the, number two. The, okay. count, the dean from Manuarts was like, we don't need any troublemakers here. I was like, this school is literally gangs. 
<laughs> it's it's oh literally gangs, and you're telling me that you don't want me in this school. <laughs> and so they sent me back to LA High, and then they were like, well, you know, we're going to put you in the RCT program. And I was like, I was already in the program, fools. <laughs> uh, so I didn't say anything. I was like, fine, I'll do my time there. And then I joined the Explorers, and then everything changed because I had yeah. to be a good kid. And that's where I met all the fools that went to, you know, <laughs> Reseda and, you know, Granada and all that stuff and Taff. Um, and that was also another different upbringing because we went from like, you know, being graffiti artists and taggers and getting in trouble with gangsters because gangsters didn't like graffiti artists or, you know, I wasn't an artist then or claimed to be a great writer, but, you know, I was hanging out with most of them and I wrote and at the Explorers, it was different. It was like, learn how to shoot guns and learn how to do this and learn how to do that and learn radio calls and all that. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> so I don't know if, I don't know if we went the right way. I think we, yeah. we learned another gang language. Um, <laughs> that sounded was, more official and you can yeah, get away with uh, and, and worse things. And we had things. a uniform that, yeah. that, you know, but it was a lot of fun. I think it was a great upbringing. I think to me, that was my real high school, you know, mm -hmm. because it was like, that's where I met all these guys that, you know, we we're all inner city kids that didn't know any better. And now that it's made it up of like nurses, doctors, lawyers, you know, my ass and some other people <laughs> that are well, well, well educated and, 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 and highly regarded in their communities. Um, and I don't think I don't think anybody ended up in a bad place. I think that sort of steered us away from it didn't scare us straight, but it just, you know, it taught us that we could do much more, that we were clever ass kids that could do things that were amazing. And uh, to this day, I mean, I met most of those people when I was 13. Mm -hmm. To this day, we're still friends. That's beautiful. And it's amazing. And now I see their kids. Mm -hmm. And so that's crazy. But it was it was a weird way of growing up. I remember, I don't know if, if Taff was like this, because I know that your school was a little bit better than LA High. You had, I mean. I mean, I don't really remember anything crazy at, at, at Taft. I mean, it was, it consisted of, you know, Armenians and um, white kids, because it was Woodland Hills. So... You know, the Latino and African American population in our school was probably, you know, part of the kids that were bused in, but yeah. also part of the kids that probably lived in Van Nuys and in Reseda. I mean, I technically didn't even live in that area yeah. to be going there. You know, my so mom. You were Chusma. You were just like. I was kind of Chusma. Yeah. I ended up there because my mom worked. Like for, for those of you guys by. know what chusma mean, it's kind of like what riffraff. Or... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a, the appropriate, uh, you know, um, definition or you know, equation for it. But yeah, yeah chusma. Yeah, I was chusma for sure. Um, but yeah, the trouble there, I feel, in from my recollection, was like the little, you know. Armenian kids who wanted to be all, you know, badass and, you know, you know, race in the streets and, you know, deal little stuff here and there around. Like, that was just kind of the shit that I remember standing out. You did have a lot of actors coming out of that high school, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I believe Ice Cube went there um, and Phoebe from Friends went there. Will Wilmer. Ramos, I think. Wilmer, I went to high school with him. Oh, you went to high school. Yeah, yeah. He was a uh, he was like want to say like a year a year younger than me. Um, but it's so funny because you know we remember when he got the show, and we we're just like, oh, that show's not not going to go anywhere. It's weird about seventies, and then blew up, and we're like, bye, Wilmer. So it's so cute. I have a picture with him at my graduation. I was like, I knew him in high school, guys. Nice. 
And now he had a little baby. Congratulations, Will. Oh, yeah, he did. I just yeah. saw that, yeah. And so across the freeways <laughs> yeah. to the closer to the center of LA was LA High, where I knew a bunch of girls who got pregnant. Oh, there you go. Um, and then um, it was a weird, even in my last year there, it was weird because our, you know, one of our star basketball players got shot. <laughs> A guy that we knew who was maybe was a gangster or wasn't, but he was a super nice guy and he was so funny all the time. He got shot, and then there for that beginning of that last senior year, there was these random shootings in the front of the school. Wow! And our school is right on Olympic Boulevard, right before La Brea, but right after Crenshaw.、Mm-hmm. And for some reason, there was just like random rent, and it was not. It was weird because a lot of them had nothing to do with gangsters. It was more、uh, Asian students shooting at other Asian students. And so we had a, a big number of Filipino, we had a big number of Korean,、um, and black was dwindling. The more that it, you know, I was closer to graduating, there w a s less and less black students at LA High,、mm-hmm. and more、uh, Latino and Filipino, and then an abundance of Korean students.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had maybe one or two white kids、right. that just lived in the neighborhood that were like, I'll take my chances. <laughs> And I won't go to Fairfax or I won't go to, you know, because the, the smart kids were like, just send me to Fairfax High. You know, like, <laughs> I don't belong in LA High. And、um, I thought Fairfax was too weird for me. So <laughs> I went there for maybe like a summer, and the kids were just, everybody was like, just like, let's do these drugs, let's do that drug. And I'm like, how do you guys do anything? Like, <laughs> just drugs, who's selling drugs, who's got drugs, who wants drugs? <laughs> was the conversation every day when I was there. Growing up in LA was a, was a pretty weird. Thing back in that, that time, and I feel like if you, survive, if you survived it, you got the, the pleasure of, of trying to figure out how to get through college in, in, this, in that time where it was like I, I felt like I got nothing from high school. Yeah, no, I for me, and it's just you know, looking back on what, what the trajectory of my life was sort of after high school. Look, when I was in it, I feel like you were just sort of walked in this direction.、Yeah. At least I was, right? Like, oh, well, you're supposed to do this and then do this and then do this. I almost didn't graduate high school. And, and I worked at, I, and I went to Taft. And literally, at the start of my second semester, they're like, oh, you're missing a class. And I was just, and so you might not you might not graduate. I was like, how am I missing a class? Like, I've been doing everything you've been telling me to do. I'm an active student. Like, I was in Jolti, I was in speech and debate. I was like, I was that kid. And so they're coming to tell me <laughs> that I almost didn't graduate because I was missing this weird class. And so. What class was it? Health. I was missing a health class. <laughs> and I think what ended up happening is because. So, I didn't go to the high school that I was supposed to go to from where I graduated.、Uh, I was supposed to go to Granada High School based on the junior high I graduated. But that had more riffraff. Huh? But that had more riffraff than you didn't want. Probably, because that's all the riffraff that like, I went to elementary school with. And, like,、uh, that's a whole other thing. Like, there's people I lost in my transition, but whatever. Anyway, so that didn't happen. So, I'm kind of like, nobody knows me here at Taft. I can, I need to figure out how to make friends because, you know, I'm this little, cho- you know, little choncha, you know, brown girl that nobody knows. How am I gonna like insta make friends? And so I decided to 
tryout for drill team. And so I made the team the summer before high school started. So that ate up my classes so where I would of, have taken. Instead of taking health, right. you were like, I'm going to go spin some flags and some chingaderas. No spinning flags. Oh, I was no. not on flag team. I was on oh, drill team. Get no. that shit together. I, I was that, shaking my ass. <laughs> What's the difference? I was shaking my ass, not oh, spinning so flags. dancing, not spinning flags. Yes, okay, there you go. My bad. So it just, it's just baffling to me that in in because I did that, it ate up one of my windows of classes, and so I almost didn't graduate. Oh shit! So, anyways, so which is funny because in LA High health class was like, don't get anybody pregnant, and then don't get pregnant, <laughs> and it was like, oh okay, cool. Yeah. No. And like this is what you what happens if you don't use condoms. So it was like the array of pictures that you were like, oh what is that? And then you know, then it's like, oh eat an apple, and drink water, and then that was it. And I don't remember much of it because I feel like in LA High like. One time, a teacher was like, hey, can you take that over there? And I was like, oh, man, I just came back. And they're like, look, if you take that from there, you pass the test. Oh. And so I basically took these paperwork that he had finished filling out. Wow. And I took him to the office. And I had to wait there for someone to, like, open the office. Yeah. It was some kind of weird ordeal that he didn't want to go through. Yeah. And I passed the test. Ugh. And that's how most of my schooling was. I think English class was the only class where the teacher really pushed me. And she was like, it's not that you're not smart. It's that you're lazy. And I was like, I know that. Okay. You know? okay. Um, but it was her way of trying to push me to do stuff. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I'm going to, I'm not going to do it. But then we, you know, she started hitting on things that I was interested in, like literature that I was like, oh, yes, this, this is a good idea. Uh, I loved history class. And mm-hmm. I think it was the easiest one because it's like something that I loved. And I, that's where we met in Santa Monica was where I wanted to go to, you know, mm-hmm. college and do that. I feel like community college did save me though. Like it was the high school. All right. Because I feel like it was the first time that it kind of like encouraged me to read and encouraged mm-hmm. me to do certain things. And teachers were like, we're not putting up with your bullshit. Um, <laughs> You're like, why not everybody else did for I the know. past 12 years? They're like, you may be charismatic, but it's not going to it's not gonna work here. You know, You're like, can't why? talk your way out of shit, you know? And so I think... You're like, watch me. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to talk forever. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, I think it did save me. It helped me out and, and it got me to a different point. And then I started to appreciate stuff. Like I was like, oh, I want to read this book or I want to do this. Or, I, you know, I would start to consume information differently where I was like obsessed with like wait all this was held back for me because you know when you're in high school you get a version of history that's you know rewritten by people who want you to know only one side where like there was so much that I learned through a lot of great teachers at Santa Monica College who were also teachers at UCLA and taking Mexican American art Latin American art you know social studies and like you know you know uh, women's studies, feminist studies, and, and learning all these different aspects of, you know, our world, you know, the way we grew up and stuff like that, and the way that, you know, our other people that were just like us grew up here in America in the 70s and the 60s. It's just, it sort of opened my mind to different things, like understanding, you know, the plight of, you know, migrant workers, even though I had no connection to migrant workers, but I do eat food that comes from the farms. And knowing where that came from and knowing whose people were, you know, knowing the politics of how Chicanos, Latinos were treated in the 70s here and how we were cattle for the, you know, Vietnam War, just like black men were and poor whites were, you know. So those those are the things that sort of opened my eyes to different things. And the beautiful writings, you know, there's a book called This Bridge is My Back, which is an anthology of all these great women writer, feminist, Chicana, Latina writers. Um, and that exposed my mind to something that I had no idea of, like, you know, the way men treat women or the way the women see themselves that is independent from men. And 
you know, it was just such a great sort of place to learn so much. And I think that if I wouldn't have got involved with so many, you know, like extracurricular, like, you know, Latino club and all that stuff that we were doing, if I wouldn't got involved, I think I would have just really left that school right away. But I would have left with a lot of like, you know, stuff in my pocket and like, you know, skills that I didn't have before. And then somehow, you know, I ended up thinking like, oh, I'm going to go to art school. <laughs> That's a great way to take all this information. Well, I mean, I think it, it, it makes sense, right? So I think similar to what you're saying, you feel that your high school was more, you, you absorb more once you got to college, right? Because in that same way, I feel, I don't, I don't really remember high school. I feel like it was just a place I needed to be, classes I needed to take. The only things that I really remember from high school that I feel impacted me was, you know, taking speech and debate, which I think is why I'm comfortable, you know, talking in front of a crowd of people. <laughs> like, I think that's really built, uh, afforded me to be able to do the work that I do. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, and drill team, you know, in, in a way that it's, created um this want for me of unity and <laughs> sisterhood not just shaking my ass like people that i wanted to count on people that we were supportive right yeah. i really don't fucking remember anything else from high school yeah. i mean like it's i don't i don't i don't know my my history class my english class none of that shit but speech yeah. and debate and drill team are really strong memories for me and i think that once i got to college kind of like what you're saying in terms of that that became um the real learning curve for me you know i didn't you know my family's mexican i knew i was latina you know that that's that's kind of like i knew it right because in the home that i lived in but i didn't really have a lot of latino friends i mean i didn't i didn't have you know a lot of exp of, of of that in my Exposure. in my world mm -hmm. and so the few that i did have we were very much you know whitewashed if you will valleyfied because we fucking grew up in the valley and so having the opportunity to meet way more diverse individuals that looked like me or didn't look like me but spoke my language and you know came from you know mexico and, and other latin american countries you know really allowed me to be like oh there's so much more that i know nothing about um but all these people and these experiences allow for me to um open my eyes and and learn more and really see you know a greater part of who i was because as much as you know not to say that you know my my family didn't talk about being mexican or have any pride in it then not that so much i think that when my parents came here my mom was pregnant with me when she came and they just wanted to assimilate they wanted to learn the language they wanted to make money they wanted to buy a home provide for us so if anything, they were like, okay, I need you guys to speak, teach us English. So it, it wasn't a lot of, of really, oh no, I'm going to ingrain with you la cultura that, that I had in my home, in my rancho, with my family. Like, I didn't really get that from my family. You know, I got that um, from, you know, 
the senora who was taking care of me, you know, the 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 babysitter who had to watch me when my mom was working or my but dad I think was that's working. That's what the generation that, that our parents' generation was. Mm-hmm. They came here and they were like, "Don't rock the boat. Like, just try to fit in as much as possible." Mm-hmm. And I do remember having like, you know, um, distant relatives that lived in the valley, and the reason why they lived in the valley is because they wanted. Supposedly, they were saying they wanted a better life for their kids, mm-hmm. and most of those kids didn't really speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of it was that they went to the valley to sort of transform into the American dream because they were like, you know, I want my kids to have less hardship by just speaking English and not knowing Spanish and not being connected to that, which I feel backfired because there's a certain time where that generation of kids sort of grew up and was like consuming anything that was cultural. Yeah. Like they wanted to know about this and they wanted to know about the song and they were in love with like Frida Kahlo and all this stuff. And I mean, I remember just like living coming up from a household where like we spoke both languages and everything was like okay with that. And like don't ever forget where you come from and don't try to act like you're this and that and whatever. Um and and meeting friends in college were like they were like, "Oh my god, there's so much culture and there's all this stuff and and it was like It's like somebody said to them, "It's okay to be brown." Right. They were instantly happy. Right. Or what, it was like that one thing they were missing that they couldn't connect, and now that somebody gave them the green light on being, you know, you know, chusma, they were like, "All right, yes, <laughs> I'm all for it." Well, yeah, I think that that kind of paints a, a bit of a picture of what my experience was once I sort of grew up and started to be the young adult that I became, right? Now that now I'm the old adult, but you know, when you were the young adult, you're like, oh, I have some freedom to learn about whatever I want. I want to learn about myself, you know, something that, you know, my family, not that they didn't want to teach me about it, but they were just like, oh no, you need to, you know, learn the language, go to school, get a career, make sure you're okay. Like, don't worry about that stuff. That doesn't matter. Oh no, but it does matter. <laughs> like I, I want to know about myself. I want to know about you and where our family is from and 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 all of that because that's a piece of me. And so that's definitely something that I felt was a shift for me um, it, around it, that age. It's funny because you, as I know you, mm-hmm. you don't seem like the kind of person that is not in touch with their culture. I know you and i always think of like colorful like mm-hmm. latino garbs and like something that has to do with something in our culture and our tradition a loteria shirt or like a sacred heart shirt um latinos sort of like we there's certain iconography that we sort of you know love and everybody has like a sacred heart in their house or uh, calavera which is like a skull, like a skull from like dia de los muertos it's all um, over my house <laughs> and, yeah it's like your house is basically a, a museum or store for Um, you know, Olvera Street or East LA or Boyle Heights. Um, I think, uh, like, if for those of you guys who don't know, Dia de los Muertos is basically a celebration of the Day of the Dead, where we honor our um, our past, our people that are past, with bringing them candy and fruit so they can, you know, come to talk to us for one night of the of the year. Uh, it's not for um, hipsters to paint themselves and and go walk around and yeah no don't do that please (laughs) yeah and the more that we see people do that we kind of get offended because it's we're honoring our dead and we want to talk to them um and y'all are just dressing up like that you can do that (laughs) in coachella but don't don't do it on the day of the day um and i don't have a problem with like people that are not latino doing it you know going to the celebrations stuff like that i think everybody should enjoy honoring their dead but when i feel like people paint themselves and 
and try to like oh let's go and you know it's, you know it's like they don't understand the, the gist of it that's when i i feel like you're appropriating yeah. something that's really nice to us um we usually put an altar yeah we put a picture we put some food out well i actually have an altar for my father which you know recently passed away and that was I'm sorry to hear that yeah. Yeah. the day of the dead is something that we'd like to keep to ourselves that is we're not saying don't be part of it we're saying you know well, respect it and understand it, right? I think is a, yeah. the, the biggest parts of it. It's not a, a costume to wear or what's an altar decoration. What's, what, what's in the altar that you put up? Like, let's for example, let's talk about your dad's altar. So, because I know that we do it to honor and to respect and to yeah. show our love. So, in essence, you you want to have something in in their image, right? A picture or something that they wore or something that they like and. You maybe um, wanna have an offering of either food of their favorite food, and then ultimately in, in in the Dia de los Muertos celebration, creating sort of like a formal altar. You wanna create a path for them, and so that's why oftentimes you'll see um, the flowers sort of laid out in sort of an aisle because like you're line. creating like a landing way for them, um, you know, a mirror so they can see themselves, something for them to you know, care for themselves, you know, um, you know, a brush or something for them to sort of wash off from their long journey, um, water, cause they're parched from their long journey home. And then just, you know, making sure that you're putting things that they loved and enjoyed for their one night to sort of visit with you and the family that they would sort of enjoy within these yeah. things that you're offering for them. And so the evening becomes a celebration of the life with them and, remembering of those times and stuff so being able to have that special you know celebration to be able to remember all of our loved ones in this special way is a, is a, a very sacred and, and special piece so yeah it's not just in, in the last years i've tried not to go that much <laughs> yeah. to those celebrations because i feel like you know people are just trying to sell stuff and whatever mm -hmm. and um but lately we've i've have a friend who she organizes these day of the dead meetups and what we do is we make an altar for everybody's dead and then we give them something and we you know my like for example my grandma i'll put candy and roses and um you know water and stuff and i know some friends put like a little bit of trago yeah which is like a shot of a drink like well, what they like whatever yeah. they like whatever you know? they were into when they were here and it's almost like you're like telling them come share this day with me today here's some flowers here's some you know some familiar smells that you like that were all about you um and so to me it's like to see people paint themselves into doing stuff and it's like it's like you know our culture and our honoring of our dead is not for sale and, and it's kind of sad um you know, I'm not saying that you cannot partake in our culture or you cannot partake in, in the festivals that we have. Just, you know, respect them for what they are. Appropriation of anybody's culture is offensive. You know, I, I people wearing sombreros and stuff like that, I'm like, no, bro. Like, yeah. it's not even about that. You know, you could do that for Cinco de Mayo, which is not a really a real holiday for Mexican people. <laughs> uh, September 15th, September 16th, then we're talking. But, you know, <laughs> that's the real days of independence. But, like, like Cinco de Mayo is just a battle. And yeah. you don't even know the truth of it. And so we just, you know, we beat the crap out of the French. It, it, it's, it's more of, I think, the appropriation of things kind of lose their meaning after a while. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that if I was Irish, I would try to find out, you know, this whole St. Patty thing and, like, Everybody just wants to get 
you know, shit drunk. And it, I, I don't know if I would be okay with that, if that offended. I'm sure that a lot of Irish people have a lot of history and honor that they'd like to, you know, keep. Um, but yeah, Day of the Dead is one of those things where, like, I take it personal because, like, I've grown up putting altars for my grandma mm -hmm. and my grandpa. And so, like, having people just, like, paint themselves and think it's, like, a fun thing, it's, eh, it's one of those cultures full pause that you try not to do honor it you know if you have your own dead you're a white person you want to honor your own dead great make an altar put some stuff out you want to paint yourself too because you'd love to paint yourself you know or maybe just wait until Coachella comes back and you can paint yourself all you want <laughs> I'm sure you know I'm sure you, you can do that um, and you know speaking about that stuff speaking about cultural stuff um, the one thing that I know about you is that you always have so much artwork up and so many traditional things in, you know, and I've known you in different places that I've, you know, I think I helped you move a couple of times too. I've moved a lot, man. And I moved a hell of a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've carried boxes that say, you know, like, you know, artwork or rosaries or stuff like that. <laughs> and so- um, Oh my God, my mass collection of rosaries, yeah. From somebody who's not, who didn't grow up very Mexican, and, and you know, you say you grew up a little whitewash, I think that it, your items would tell people that you're very Mexican. I mean, I guess I've just, I don't know. Growing up, it, it, it's not like you walked into my house and it looked like white people's house. Like, like yeah. I mean, we were still fucking Mexican. Like, you were yeah. still fucking seeing that shit in my home and, and, and the essence of who we are, but it, it wasn't like a, a spoken, make sure you were fucking Mexican, right? Yeah. But so... So there wasn't this conversation of it, but I mean, in in how we grew up, you know, culturally, these little these pieces of who we were were there, and it wasn't, you know, once I became older and really wanted to make sure that um, I embraced those things that were important to me, I did, and so, you know, for me, you know art and music um were sort of automatic for me you know my my family my father did my father you know raised me not listening to chente uh i, I listened to you know some motown some Smokey robinson some you know rolling stone but at the same time you know we had you know art that made our home beautiful um, and just pieces that were really reflectant of, I don't know, where, where they where they came from and me not really realizing that that was part of our culture in, in that time. Yeah. Um, it's reflected in my home. So yeah, you are going to see colorful flowers and beautiful wood carvings in my home and, you know, sacred hearts and rosaries and... Frida. Um, Frida, Frida everywhere, for sure. I, I remember when I used to live in uh, by Long Beach, I had a wall of rosaries mm -hmm. and somehow people just started traveling and they would bring me rosaries from different places mm -hmm. and you brought me a bunch of stuff. Yeah, you brought me a bunch of rosaries from different places. Yeah. And I remember I, when I put all that away, it was a huge box of just rosaries. Ah. And when somebody opened up, I, I think it was a friend of mine who was, you know, he had never, he doesn't know a lot about our, my culture, but he's a good friend and he opened it up and he's like, oh, wow, what is this? All the times you've been to church? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's just... You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, I was really into rosaries back then. Mm -hmm. And, um, I feel now I'm more specific about what I put up because 
you know, the house will be full of just all kinds of artwork. Yeah. But which is nothing wrong with that. No, Hello. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> but you run out of wall space, and sometimes you just want some clean walls. And um, but you know, I I'm honored to have some some work from Gronk, yeah. who's a amazing American, a Mexican American artist who started a group called Asco, who's really well known. And I got one of his original pieces that I actually bought from him. Um, and uh, I also have other stuff from like a group called uh, Tracolo Locos, which is a muralist guys from Zapoteca, Oaxaca, mm -hmm. and they're Zapotecs, and they basically do these huge murals. And they did one in the LA Library where they juxtapose indigenous people and indigenous garb with like sort of uh, technology, iconography, or sort of an, uh, a thing. And they did a show called Oaxaca California, which is where they started doing these juxtapositions of, for example, there's a Native American indigenous, not a Native American, an indigenous woman from Oaxaca, a Zapotec woman, who's got the tattoos, which they normally wouldn't have, but she has indigenous tattoos from, you know, Aztec and tattoos in the face, and she's wearing shell toe Adidas. <laughs> so there's a juxtaposition of that. Yeah. There's another one with these women who look like Inditas, mm -hmm. who are, this is what we call indigenous women, and yeah. not in a derogatory term, but in a nice way. These Indita women who are like indigenous women with their native garbs, and then they're all holding cell phones in front of their faces. And so that's the <laughs> whole juxtaposition with yeah. them. Um, and I love their work, and I have some of that on my wall, and I have some certain things. The rosaries are gone, but uh, you can still tell that there's some kind of influence by, you know, Mexican, American, Latino, and Mesoamerican art. And um, I, I'm, I'm more specific of what I put out there because there's so much stuff now on the walls where it's like, I, I, don't, I feel like when I moved to that house, there was boxes and boxes of art, mm. and I don't know what to do with it. Um, I also am proud to have some nice little collection of art that came from, like, local artists, you know. I mean, you need to let me check out some of this art that you're yeah. sort of done for your walls because I'm sure. love to come add some stuff. Check it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, after COVID, after though. COVID, after yeah, COVID. Yeah. Don't, don't be coming and sneezing in my house. <laughs> <laughs> you get kicked out right away. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a uh, it's us growing up. You know, now we we in in the beginning, I think when I was growing up, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, don't speak Spanish or don't do this or try to sound more like this. And, and now people are like, you know, I know people that didn't grow up in my era or people that did grow up in America. They're like, oh, I remember this TV show. You remember this, oh, this song when it comes on, you know, the, the like the whole admiration for Selena now. Mm -hmm. That also is coming back. And I remember Selena when I was growing up, but now it's a huge deal. And so um, talking about music, because I also grew up in a mix of music and stuff like that. You grew up in a house where you were listening to... I was listening to Motown, Rolling Stones, you know, Smokey Robinson, Ray Charles, all that beautiful stuff. I grew up in a house where I was listening to Jose Jose, I can't. Uh, Juan Gabriel, Fleetwood I mean, Mac, Dolly Parton. <laughs> Jose Jose to Fleetwood Mac, Dolly Parton. <laughs> the Ramones, the, the, the Beatles, it was like a, you know, like... Clearance Clearwater. I mean, it was like, you know, my uncle was a was a rockero, and my mom was, you know, she would just go to the clubs and watch him play. Um, <laughs> and so, like, we, we grew up with this, you know, mush of like different kinds of weird music that came out of everywhere. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about food. So, knowing that as a Mexicana, 
the staple in your house would be, you know, beans and, and rice. Are you a bolillo or tortilla? So, bolillo through and through, for sure. You know, growing up, we ha like we had to have tortillas in the house because, like, you know, maybe my, my dad would want it or my mom. It wasn't like, oh, we needed to have big, like, rolls of tortillas, yeah. right? Big old stacks. But it's funny because when my Tio Chano would come to visit or when he was staying with us, we would go through those, like, monster stacks of tortillas. Yeah. Fucking two of them a week or something. And it was like, oh, because, like, Tio... The channel was living with us, yeah. so he was killing those tortillas. And I was like, maybe we need to have more tortillas in the house. I feel like, but yeah, that that bread, bread is what really did me in. As, as Central American, you know, we were so used to these little bolillos. These, they call them pirucos. They're like little French breads that are like little squares. Mm -hmm. But you know, because we live in a in a city that was like really big, like really Mexican, bolillos, that big French doughy bread that yeah. looks like a, you know, like a doughboy kind of bread. It, it was so popular that that's all we ate. And I could sort of like, so when I remember being little sometimes, we were so poor that like, all you had to do is just open one of those up, put black beans, refried black beans on it, and done. a little bit of cheese, and you're done. That was dinner. Done. That was it. There, there was no like, you could survive off of that. I mean, oh. heck yeah, pamulios are fucking bomb. But I, I, that, I think that's also just sort of established this like need of like carbs in my life. Yeah. It's so funny. I live with a Salvadorian woman, and she just saw like, oh, we need pancitos for the morning. Our pancit, our morning coffee. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so we either have to have you know little pan dulces or make some croissants or make some brownies or something. Yeah. I when I was the you know, when I was 12, we went to go visit family in Guatemala, and, you know, they, they live so much better than we do. Mm. They walk everywhere, they, they eat as much as I think I eat now, but they, they don't get, they don't get the weight that we eat Well, because they walk everywhere. And every morning, it was coffee, black beans, one egg, and, the, and bread that they would get that same day. Mm. They would walk and get bread, come back, and then that's what we would eat every morning. And so, like, to me, I was like, and I remember, like, you know, most people say, oh, I went on vacation, I gained weight. And I was like, I didn't gain any weight. It was just like, <laughs> but I, again, I was 12 too, so I was like burning calories like a, like a mother. But it was just like, you know, you ate so much better like that. And every morning, you know, Central America and Guatemala, they eat, you know, their bread with their beans, uh, their egg, and then coffee. And even if you're a kid, you were eating, drinking coffee. So it was mm -hmm. like kind of a thing that, that I'm <laughs> so used to. Um, I know that bolillos are horrible for you because there's a lot of sugar in them and then you shouldn't be eating bread. I don't know what you're talking about. I, love, I just fucking bolillos are like the world. They're I love so bolillos, good. Yeah. Oh, so, so since you live with the Salvadoring, have you gotten used <laughs> to eating pupusas? We actually just fucking had pupusas for dinner last night. Nice. And it's so funny because it was my idea. Tacos, <laughs> like, tacos or pupusas? Uh, tacos, tacos for yeah. sure. Like, I'm still a taco girl, but I love me some fucking pupusas. So fucking good. Hey. Although, I don't put the curtido on. I just like the little salsa on it. Uh, I'm not the curtido girl, but I'm also not salvi, so whatever. True, yeah. So she's just like, you don't want some curtido? And I was like, girl, boo, that's all you. <laughs> like, I'm good. <laughs> but, yeah. That's, no. like, that's like hot dogs with the, with the slaw on top of it. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> um, so since you were, you know, a roomie with the Central American. Uh, black beans? Are you into black beans now? Or I'm into black beans because she's into black beans now, but yeah. I'm more of like the, the You're brown... you pinto girl? What? You're a pinto bean girl? I'm a pinto bean girl. Like, uh, you know, squish them up, you know, boil them, whatever. Like, lard. that was me. So good, though. Yeah. So good. I don't know. I've never liked pinto beans, but, you know, I guess, you know, 
Everybody has their own. Yeah, um, but you don't know how to eat them. Like, you have to eat them like, like frijoles charros. I made that for Christmas this year. Like, so good. I feel like when I went to France, my friend's house were Mexican, mm -hmm. it was like the oldest pot that they have. Yeah. And the mom would be like, okay, this pot is old and messed up. This is where I'm going to make the beans. Yeah. And so you would always eat beans from an old ass, beat up, <laughs> messed up pot. That's why and it tastes it, so good. It tasted good, yeah. But I mean, I'm just not a, I, I, I mean, I grew up in Central America, so black beans were the shit, you know, like. But if you, had my, if you had my frijoles charros, you would say that they're the shit. So right. I don't know why we're, that we're you... Gonna, we're going to do a, a, a thing, and I'll bring some black beans, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go battle it out. It's we'll that done. Sold. Right. Sold. All right. Um, so with that said, let's start talking about some uh, word association. I like to do this with my, my family. Oh, my God. I've heard about this. My I've heard it some of it, too. Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. Okay, oh my god. Nike Cortez. Neighborhood. Uh, hoop earrings. I need mine. Is, is it a must wear when you go out? It's a must wear. I need my silver hoop earrings. Although it's really funny because I've lost mine since this pandemic. And uh, so, but I'm. Where are you going, girl? How did you lose it? Well, uh, you the know, the it's just like, comes over, like, Yeah, that's exactly. But it's really crazy because you have that one pair of fucking hoop earrings yeah. and you just wear that one pair. And then when you lose that one pair, like I did, I don't have the backup. Uh, but that's just, that's my cheap ass. I, I just, know. I always I, have I, one pair of everything. I would think like as Latinas or Mexicanas or, you know, Central American or South American, like if you're into hoop earrings, you would have like a collection and then be like, I got a backup, you know, like, psh, I should be like that. But like I'm, even a backup in the car, like if something happens in the car, you get into a fight, you'd be like, here, hold my earrings and somebody, you know. I'm not that pair. trucha. Like I, uh, I wish I was more trucha like that. Just in general, yeah. I tend to have like one of things. You're like, I like this one, I'm going to keep it. This no, it's royal. I can only afford one. Ah, okay. That's okay. why like I, I fucking wear... My shoes, like I'll kill them out, yeah. or my jeans, I'll kill them, whatever. Like I'll just wear the one. And then, colmar. Uh, tortillas, right? You, you gotta have it. Oh yeah, you need you need a colmar for your tortillas. I mean, we used to do it for my. Um, and you said it wrong. You said colmar with like an R. Colmar. There's no. No. I mean, I've got the mask on. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think I I I I I don't have one. But we'll do it in one of those um, those what are those French crepe things, and it's almost like a colmar. I feel like I should get a proper one because mm -hmm. I, I, I I'm internally judging my own self. You, uh, sh you should judge yourself. <laughs> yes. Street elote. Can we go get some right now? There you go. See? Mm. Champurado. Oh uh, no! Yeah. You yeah, know, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm Every not. time I look at champurado, I always feel like that's the kind of thing that we could use to like put bricks together. <laughs> Like mortar, so it won't go anywhere. It's just not my thing. No. Raspado? Um, de tamarindo. Ah, there you go. Now we're going to do word association people. Uh-oh. Uh, I was going to say Frida, but I don't think I have Diego. To. There, yeah, you there you go. There you go. Selena? Um, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Walter Mercado. Uh, Leo. That just like Leo, like that's how he says those. It, the, it was so, it's funny that you brought that because that's my mom's side. And whenever he would say that, it was like the <laughs> cabron. Um, Lucas Candy. Oh, picos. What, what's it called? The picos. There's there's one of them. It's like, uh huh. There you go. That uh, one. Yeah, <laughs> one Tajin. 
there's a little bottle right there. We have to have it with our fruit or little cucumbers. Oh my god, stop it. Yeah. Uh, chico? I don't even know what that is. It's like the the first LaCroix, but it was the Mexican version one. Like <laughs> no, no, no. Seltzer water in a bottle. Um, we have LaCroix right there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, La chancla? A loteria. <laughs> well, uh, thanks a lot for doing this. Aw, thanks. Um, this fun. was fun. Thank you so um, much. Most of the time, at the end, I, I ask my guests where they can see your work or your stuff, but... I have no work. I have no stuff. You guys, I know you're hearing me. You're like, who's this bitch? Why is she on the show? And I kept warning him. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not interesting. I'm not really cool. I don't have anything for you to go see. I don't have an IG for you to follow. But just thank you for taking but, the but time the to hear me out. The is those kids and the parents that are not going to be helped to further their education. There you go. So that's where you can catch your work. There you go. Uh, thanks a lot for doing this. Thank you, Julieta. Um, and we'll see you guys soon, okay? Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Also follow us on Instagram. Leave a like, leave a comment, tell a friend, share our stories. And remember... If you don't see color, you don't see beauty.